This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue Liar. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Lions. Welcome to episode 109 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by Regents Field, DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, and Bet On. Line. I want to thank all my sponsors, as always, for helping out in support of this show. And today is at least really the start of cut day around the NFL. A couple of teams made some big moves on Thursday, including the Eagles, who waived former Lions draft pick Travis Fulham. But for the vast majority of teams around the league, you're going to see a lot of moves Mostly come on Saturday, and I think a lot of teams will make a handful of moves at least on Friday when it comes to roster decisions to get down to 53 players, or in the Lions' case, at least 54, because J. Ron Curse is expected to go on the suspended list, and they can keep 53 players other than that, and then they don't have to make a decision on Curse until after week three. But it's a stressful time in the league for a lot of people, for players, for agents, for coaches, for general managers, even for the media, because one of the worst parts of this job, honestly, is something that we have to do. It's part of the job, but it's just uncomfortable because you're calling around trying to get information on people losing their jobs because that's what cuts are and people often forget that, but that is what being cut is. You're losing your job, and a lot of times you're losing your career and are never going to play again. Matt Patricia was asked about Cuts Weekend on Thursday, and he called it the worst. And that echoes a lot of feelings around the league. I always say this on Twitter, and I'll probably say it again tomorrow morning, that don't celebrate if a guy loses his job. Sure, performance may not have been there. Especially this year, you would not have seen any of that performance, so you really don't know. But don't celebrate a guy losing his job. It's not nice. It's not humane. It's rough. And in most of these cases, guys didn't make much money during training camp. And in, again, a lot of cases of guys getting cut, they may not get another opportunity. This might be at the end of a dream that they've worked for 10 to 15 years for done in the 
minute of a phone call potentially saying, hey, you know, bring in your playbook. I don't even know how they're going to do that process-wise this year. Uh, that might be something that Matt Patricia gets asked about today if he does talk with the media. So it's just going to be a rough weekend. And to break down what cuts weekend really means and how you really go about it and how it is for agents and how it is for players, we decided to go and talk to a player agent to figure out how that is, to figure out what that is, because a lot of times you don't hear about it from the agent side of things. You don't always hear about it from the player side of things. You hear about it from the teams and you hear about it from the media. But to put yourself there in real time, unless you see it on hard knocks or a player talks about it, you don't really see it. So I asked agent Molly McManamy to come on the show and chat a little bit about Cuts Weekend, about Draft Weekend, about what life is like as an agent. We got into her story as well of how she got to becoming an agent, and it's a pretty wild story that involves an anonymous person that basically told her boss, Steve Carrick, who's a well-respected sports agent, about her, and that's kind of how it all got started. But she'll get into that a little bit during the show, And we talk a little bit about one of the clients that the Lions have, that they also have, and that is Tyrell Crosby. And we get into a little bit of what that has been like, especially because Molly and Steve are based in Las Vegas, where Tyrell is also from. It was a fun conversation. I'm really glad Molly was able to come on the show. I've been hoping to get her on for a few months now. So hopefully you enjoy this conversation after the break with sports agent Molly McManamy. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app. Select your favorite local spot and your food, it's on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, the code is BLUEWIRE, $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And Sunday, Sunday, Sundays. We're one Sunday away, everybody. The NFL is coming back. And with SundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, you get Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. So never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players to track how your fantasy teams are doing as well. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And while you're watching Sunday Ticket, or if you can't get there, check out Regents Field if you're in the Ann Arbor, Michigan area. They're on South Main Street. They are open from Tuesday to Sunday. They have outdoor seating. They have TVs with sound inside and outside. You can catch all of your NFL games 
there. They've got free darts, free skee-ball, and they've got some free NBA jam also. So don't forget to go and use the Pacers or the Pistons or whatever your team is in NBA jam. See if you can set some records on there. Go check them out. Regents Field on South Main Street in Ann Arbor. Now, back to our show. My next guest on the Michael Rothstein Show is an up-and-coming sports agent. She's only been in the business for a few years, but she's already been killing it. Molly McManamy, welcome to the Michael Rothstein Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm just, just to tell listeners, I'm just pumped I got your name right because I took <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> that was great. You nailed it. <laughs> I want to just jump in right here. What is this? this is gonna, we're recording this on Wednesday. It's going to run Friday. What is this week and weekend like for an agent? Um, to put it lightly, hell. Um, it is, in my opinion, the worst week in the whole NFL all year. And I don't think that's just for agents. It's obviously for players. They're the ones that feel the most brunt of it. But I also think it's brutal for coaches and the front office as they're the ones that have to deliver the news. Um, and they're the ones that have to make the decisions, even when the, you know, they're cutting really good players, but they're also cutting really good people and they get attached over the time, you know, they spend together. So it's just truly across the board, a brutal, brutal week for everybody. Um, for agents specifically for us, it's just all about um, being prepared, but also being the ones that can ease the anxiety of the players. Um, you know, we've been through this so many times and for a lot of guys, this is their first go at cut week. Um, even if it's not, it's still stressful, you know, unless you're, one of the really top tier players, everyone's, and even them, you know, everyone's at risk. You know, if you have a big contract, you're at risk, even if you're the best player in the league. So for us, it's really um, just keeping our anxieties to ourselves and providing a plan and some peace for the players, you know, even when it doesn't go their way, just being ready to, you know, take that next step and find them work somewhere else. How much prep work goes into that for you, for, for Steve, throughout maybe the two weeks, three weeks prior to kind of say, okay, we expect X or we need to, we're going to need to cushion the blow for player Y because this might not go. Like, do you generally have an idea of where you think it's going to go by this weekend or is it sometimes a surprise? So, you know, when I first started in this business about uh, five years ago, um, my first cut weekend, Steve basically, and for people that don't know, Steve is my boss and he's the president of our agency. So he's been kind of my mentor in this whole crazy business, but he told me, you know, every year without fail, there's always a player that gets cut that you don't expect and a player that makes a team that you thought was really at risk. So there's always a couple surprises, but I would say for 95% of the guys um, that do get cut, we had some expectation of it. Even the guys that maybe aren't getting cut for performance, you know, issues or that are on the bubble because they're not, playing as well the guys who maybe contracts are vulnerable or um you know they're getting older or something and, and or there's just a crowded room or something we know and a lot of that is you know over the last few weeks we keep in touch with um coaches front offices just ask how the guys are doing uh, we ask our players how they're doing and some of them you know always think they're doing well so that's not always helpful some are super hard on themselves so that's not as helpful either. Um, you know, the people like you in the media have done a great job this year because we have so little access without preseason games. Because, you know, usually we're watching and we could say he had a terrible preseason game. 
he needs a really good one next week, um, or you know he killed it. So the media has done a good job for us this year, keeping us abreast of kind of the status of everyone as much as they can. Um, and then the other prep work that goes into it is we just keep um, an eye on depth charts um, and see, you know, okay, if, if we think these five players are uh, vulnerable to get cut, uh, let's have depth charts ready to go so we know who to hit up first um, to try to get them to land in a new spot because they have a need at that position. When So without this year being very different for everybody, right? Like I, I, they actually had us in Ford Field today for a practice, and it was – really odd just being in an NFL stadium like very very I, I haven't been you know for almost a year now so you're you're ahead of me <laughs> yeah it, it was just bizarre you know and, and but what how different has this been for for an agent during this month because you're also traveling a lot seeing players going to kind of you know massage egos make guys feel better like how much but you can't like you said you can't see anything mm -hmm. so how different has that been for you it's it's been tough you know this is the time of year when uh we try to see the guys who are a lot of we try to see a lot of rookies um we try to see a lot of guys who are you know maybe on that bubble guys who really have to earn their spot in the preseason and in training camp um and it i think it is helpful when they get to see us just seeing a familiar face because training camp training camp is a grind and so when we're there at least for one preseason game or for a couple nights where we get to go to dinner with them i think just having a voice of reason and someone that you know and trust around can really help their, um, you know, state of mind going into the rest of camp. So I, that's been a big bummer. And, you know, quite frankly, I just miss them. <laughs> I haven't seen any of our guys in, in months and that just never happened, especially the type of agency we are. We're very hands-on. So we are usually on the road this whole month. So it's been very different. Um, it's been a lot more phone calls, text messaging, making sure they're good from afar um, you know, again, keeping in touch with the front office and coaches just to make sure they're not seeing any red flags um, with our guys. And, you know, like everybody else in the world right now, just having to adapt to doing everything virtually and, you know, overcoming those challenges, um, which have been plenty already. But I would say I still am very grateful that, you know, the NFL has gotten to this point where we are approaching cut weekend and, and everything has felt as normal as possible. Um, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that because every other league out there, you know, had to really uproot and change this year. Whereas it looks like, you know, fingers crossed, we're going to start on time. And at least from our couches, it's going to appear pretty normal. <laughs> Was there any talk between you and Steve of you traveling, even though there were no practices you could go to, no games you can go to just to kind of be there for guys in a very stressful time? Because I, I don't know whether that was even allowed. Obviously, some teams are in hotels. Some teams are at home. Yeah, I, you know, we didn't talk about that, you know, but my style of representation is, you know, if a guy said, I need you here tomorrow, I'm having a breakdown, <laughs> I would get on a plane um, safely, of course. But, yeah, no, we are going to do everything we can to keep this season rolling. And if that means we have to stay away, we're going to stay away. If fans are permitted at some point, that's when maybe we'll come see you guys. But for now, you know, if they don't think fans are allowed, we shouldn't be there either. Um, we can do our jobs from afar. So, I mean, I, if anything, maybe we'll, you know, see the Raiders do something this year since they're a couple miles down the road from me. But 
I don't think we'll be traveling the way we usually do unless um, fans can safely be, you know, in the um, stadium just like we would be. One of your clients is on the Lions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's also a guy who live, who's from Vegas. So, like, is that the last guy you – is Tyrell Crosby the last guy you saw <laughs> of your clients? Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, yeah, we got – I mean, and that was – you know, we got to have uh, – Vegas opened up in – I think late May, um, safely, you know, there's restaurants that have patios and stuff. So we were able to have dinner. Um, and so, yeah, he's the last guy I saw because I asked him to sign a Jersey for me. (laughs) So he came and brought his Jersey by and yeah, that that's really it. Um, everybody else I haven't seen since, you know, I saw the draft guys this year up until everything shut down. So like mid March, um but yeah he's the last client I've seen of our vets um which has again just been so weird but and it's unfortunate because Tyrell for instance is never home this much but he was home and we still you know it's not like you could do much (laughs) so we didn't really even get to take advantage of that extra time home but yeah uh Ty was probably the last client I saw I'm trying to think if anyone else would have been after that but I don't think so what was it like, just take me, because I don't think people ask this question a lot, and I don't think people, a, lot, a lot of people know about, what's it like when you're pursuing a client? We use Tyrell as an example, since people know who he is who are listening to this podcast. What's that process like of signing Tyrell Crosby as an agent? So Tyrell is actually one of my favorite recruiting experiences we've had because um, I had just gotten certified um, as an agent myself. And so Steve had been recruiting Tyrell since a year prior to me joining in because um, he had injured his foot um, going into his junior year. So he ended up shutting it down and playing a year longer than a lot of people thought he would. So being a local Vegas guy, you know, we, we were able to spend some time with his family. um, And then we got even more lucky that he ended up playing in the Las Vegas bowl for his bowl game. And part of that is Oregon allows their, um, draft eligible players to hold meetings that week here in Vegas. So we were able to have a big company meeting um, with Tyrell and his family um, totally like, um, I I don't know the word monitored by the school. So, you know, totally legal and all that. They Oregon had their reps there, Tyrell's family, and then our reps from our company. And I would say it's probably the best meeting we've ever had as a company. Like it just, it was just a great meeting. We've always clicked with Tyrell's family, clicked with Tyrell. And so then, you know, we went to the bowl game the next day to watch him play. He hadn't signed with us yet. We were just going to show our support. And then that next on the day following the Vegas bowl is when he told us he was going to sign with us, which was, we were just thrilled because, you know, we're very proud to be Vegas born here. And he's such a prominent part of this community. So it was a really special signing for us. And it was one of the one first ones I was fully a part of. Um, and so it was a really unique one for me that I got to be start to finish a part of, you know, successfully signing a player. Um, and then it was also on the heels of the shooting here in Vegas and Tyrell being from here, it was extra special. He got to play in the Vegas bowl here and he did this whole thing where he wore the jersey that said 59 for the victims and so it was just overall like a good emotional weekend where we all just clicked and um yeah that was one of the better recruiting experiences I've ever had <laughs> is that, is that, do you get the sense after like you said that's the best meeting 
y'all have ever had, do you get the sense coming out of the meeting? All right, this is probably going to happen. Like, do you do you get um, that guys or? You know, yes and no. Like sometimes you think you just know in your heart, like that went so well, and this guy and me clicks so well, and we he clicks with the company, and then they cut you, and you're like, I don't know what I went wrong, and that's just the nature of the beast with this business. Is sometimes you can totally gauge it, and sometimes they're making everyone feel that good. <laughs> so you get cut and you're wondering, but then you realize they probably built good relationships with everybody. And then, yeah, I mean, you, it's like anything in life. It's kind of like dating, you know, you go on a date and you kind of have a feel of that was not very good or that was good. That flowed well, that kind of got awkward here and there. And so, you know, I like to think I kill every meeting I go to, but I'm sure I've had some meetings that were better than others, but it's all an energy thing. You know, your energy has to flow together and you know, sometimes that's how you know if a client really will click with you or not. And you want it to be an organic, you know, positive relationship. So sometimes when the energy doesn't flow, it's a blessing in disguise because you realize, you know, we don't click that well. And that's totally fine. Not everyone's going to be for you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that is a theme of dating. <laughs> it's just like dating. Recruiting. Recruiting is like courting. You, it really feels like dating sometimes because you are just like trying to get them to understand why you're so great and why they should pick you. And then when you relate it to dating, it's actually really funny because you're like, this is kind of like, you know, what I do on a date. I'm trying to prove to them why they should keep seeing me <laughs> and then eventually commit to me at the end of this. So yeah, that's, that's my funny analogy for it. <laughs> I, I, this is going to sound probably really terrible, but like, do you then avoid watching like any sort of dating reality show? Because you're like, this is too much like work. Oh my God. I hate dating reality shows. <laughs> I just told someone last week, Love Island came on and you know, I was just didn't have anything to watch. So I turned it on and I cringed my way through it. I can't do it. I don't watch The Bachelor. Don't watch The Bachelorette. Um, none of that stuff. It just makes my skin crawl. And yeah, I, I like to watch low stress TV when I'm not working because my job is stressful. And so I watch really just like low key TV. And I feel like dating shows are so stressful because you're uncomfortable for them. <laughs> oh, I, I, there, there are times I'll just be like, all right, I'm going to throw something at my television now, which is just going <laughs> to inevitably causing more stress because it might break my TV. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? So just yeah. give, me, give me Shit's Creek or like The Office oh, and I'm good. Shit's Creek, New Girl, The Office are my three go-tos at night when I'm cooking dinner, going to bed, whatever it is. Just when I need something light and happy, those are my three go-tos. So going back to kind of what we were talking about a little bit with the recruitment process. And like you said, it's all about clicking and getting a feel. Have there been meetings where you've gone in there and you're like well I don't think that went super well and then the guy signed with you and you're like wow I totally misread that yeah I mean that's what I mean is sometimes and here's the thing with recruiting is every single um, potential client is looking for something different and they all have different priorities and things that are important to them so while one client like like Joshua Kelly for instance who I signed this last year for him, I know relationships were super important because of the way our recruiting process went. You know, him and I talked almost daily for, you know, eight months. And that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot to keep up with. But with someone like him, that was what 
made him comfortable with me. Whereas, you know, we've signed, we signed a guy this last season, the same recruiting cycle as Joshua, who we met with once after the season and he signed with us and that was it. We didn't have to do any of the courting process because we got connected with him so late. Both are now clients that we love, have great relationships with. They both had very successful draft weekends. They're both doing just killing it in their camp. So both, you know, ended up with the same result and clicked with us well, but they just had very different draft processes. And a lot of that has to do with, um, like, again, their preference. Some guys just do not want to talk to agents until they're completely done. Whereas someone like Josh, he really wanted to know who his agent was. You know, he didn't want to make a blind decision. So every single person is different. And so sometimes, yeah, like you realize they, all they cared about was, you know, this and this and that. And so they didn't really need a great meeting or 10 meetings. They just wanted to make sure, you know, you could be trusted or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, every meeting not, yeah, you don't always have the clear outcome when you walk out for sure. <laughs> Going back to, to cuts weekend this weekend, what was your first cut weekend like because I have to imagine that that's just an experience that no one can really prepare you for until you go through it. So honestly, I don't think I, it's really bad. I don't remember five years ago, but I don't think I was in town. So my first year in the business, I actually was still at Chapman um, finishing law school. So I was working remotely for the company. So I was never out here physically. So even if I was a part of it, um, I don't think I did much um, beyond helping with the depth charts. Um, so my second year would be my first year physically in Vegas. And that was the first time that I was in office for it. Um, and I just remember Steve telling me kind of how unpredictable it is. And, you know, we need to be in the office Saturday. And um, it's just, I mean, you wake up in the morning and, you know, Steve has most of our clients, so he gets the news before me. And so every hour or so I text him and it's like, okay, who's safe, who's not. And then when we get to the office, then it just kind of every time his phone rings, you know, it's probably bad news. Um, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's guys saying, you know, they told me I'm good. Um, and then, you know, for us, it's at one o'clock because we're on the uh, West Coast. So once one o'clock hits, you kind of take a deep breath and you're like, okay, this is where we're at with everything. But then the hardest part is, and this is what I learned my first full one here, is I was in town and then Steve said, you know, because I didn't have clients of my own at this point. I wasn't a certified agent yet. So he's like, you can take off and um, go to California, whatever you want to do. So I left and a client made the team on Saturday and got cut the next morning. And I wasn't fully even aware that that was a thing until I realized, okay, team's then look at the waiver wire and they see someone they like more than your client, your client can make it and then get cut the next day. And that was the biggest like eye opener of cut weekend for me where I really realized like, this is a brutal business and these teams don't care that you just spent Saturday night celebrating with your family that you made the 53 you're out of a job again. And then, you know, you go through practice squad stuff. So my first like full experience was just, realizing how brutal it is and how we really like we work through basically Monday on all this because that's when you know practice squads are complete and you can kind of say okay I think this is where everybody's going to be now. <laughs> 
so like okay so monday night or even really tuesday sometimes depending on the team and the, the year do you just sleep for two three days at that point because it would seem like that's no. just so, so stressful i wish so after the draft is when i get that like euphoria of okay we made it like sunday night after the draft i sleep hard um but no because there's still so much movement like i remember a couple years ago we had a guy who was cut Sunday after making it. And then Monday, a player on the team at that play. So then he got signed to the practice squad. A player on the, that his team who played his position got in a fight at practice. The player got cut. He got activated again. So he went from making it cut practice squad back to the 53. And that all happened, you know, within a couple of days after cuts actually finished. So you, we still have to be and you know how it is, you know, you are covering a team. So you get how, you know, teams will cut you to make room for somebody and then somebody goes on IR. And so there's a lot of movement that sometimes is very much just like ceremonial and it doesn't hold a lot of weight and they'll warn us, you know, we're going to cut them and then resign them or whatever. But all that's taking place during those next few days. And basically from cut weekend on every Monday is just like a firestorm. Like you have to that that is the day that a lot happens and so it's you after that guys can get cut whenever so you still have to be very on it and ready to you know make phone calls and and send emails um right if a guy if a guy does get a re release right away so for people that maybe don't understand fully when you're talking about depth charts and building depth charts explain for people what you mean by that and what you what you and Steve are trying to do and accomplish by doing that for every team? So we want information that's up to date and detailed and accurate um, in front of us, right? When a guy gets cut, because, you know, we'll use the Chicago bears for instance, because everybody has been making fun of them for their tight end up. Um, if we had a tight end get cut this weekend, that's probably not going to be our first phone call because, you know, they're 10 deep or whatever they are now. Whereas there's some rooms that maybe only have three and then we see they cut a guy because they had to make room for a linebacker, whatever the reason is. Um, and you want to be able to put the player's name in front of that team as soon as possible so that if they are on their list, you know, they're, they're remembering, Oh yeah, we should bring this player in for a workout. Obviously like it's still up to the team and if a guy gets cut there's a likelihood he's going to be out of work for a few weeks. So it doesn't always mean like right away he's going to get a job, but just knowing the right teams to start, you know, communicating with and reminding them this player is available and he's in shape and this and that, that can make all the world a difference. So if you don't have that readily available for you, then you have to spend the time figuring that out. It's just easier to have it ready. If you, it's better to have it and not need it than and need it and not have it. And we do this for the draft too. The draft is even more important because free agency after the draft is just a crapshoot. And you have to know like, okay, if I have three teams calling, I need to send my player to the place where depth wise, he has the best shot of making the team. And it's the same thing now, you know, we want, if we have, you know, multiple options, you want to send your player to try out for a team where they actually have a need, not just so they're, you know, kicking around tires and just seeing for the future. Has that been more difficult over the past month when it comes to workouts? And I, I should know this, but I'm, but I'm assuming y'all have at least a couple guys that are looking for work. Yeah, we do. Um, I mean, 
we have almost 40 clients right now, I think. So we have a handful just, you know, by nature and it's been, yeah, it's been difficult. It wasn't until a couple of weeks ago since March that guys were able to go into facilities and actually work out for teams. And on top of that, they have to pass, you know, the COVID protocol. So they're there for like five days before they even get to work out, which is time they could be in past years, they would be working out, then they could get on a plane and go to the next place if they don't get signed. So it's been very difficult because A, they've been having to stay in shape kind of on their own um, with a lot of gyms being closed and B, just the lack of, you know, there was 10 less players on every team this preseason. And that meant on top of the guys who were on the team, that's 10 less guys who are getting preseason tape. So all these players aren't getting tape. So when a guy gets cut, whether it's today or Saturday, you know, teams aren't able to pull up his tape from this year right away from the preseason. So all of those things coupled together have made it very difficult um, to keep, you know, the workout circuit flowing. But I, again, I'm trying to just be grateful for everything that is happening. So I'm very glad they're happening now. We've already had guys signed in the last couple of weeks that weren't prior because of COVID. So um, it's a different process now, but it's happening and I'm going to just be thankful for that. The depth charts that you were talking about though, I would imagine those come even into more play this year because of that waiting period where it's not like, like I remember I wrote about the workout circuit a couple of years ago and guys would tell me, yeah, I literally would go from New Orleans to New York to New England and, and they'd be on the road for like four days. Yeah. Now I mean, you can't do that. Yeah. And there's teams that like, we've had guys who get cut and then, you know, they make it through waivers or they become free agents. And um, we have three teams call and we're going to send them, like I said, to the place where they have the best chance to make it. We like that situation better. And, you know, teams will fight over that. They'll be like, you know, like send them here first. And then you'll say, if he doesn't get signed here, we'll send him straight there. And so, yeah, I mean, the highly, you know, you know, rated free agents, whatever you want to call them who get cut, um, they end up having a lot of workouts there right away. And I don't know how much that's going to be this year with no preseason, like I said, because a lot of times there's guys who have killer preseasons who get cut um, and they end up, you know, having tons of workouts right away. But yeah, it's, it's very necessary to know who, where to send a guy if there are multiple options, which is a good problem to have, but you need to navigate it the right way. What is, when you've had guys had to wait, because I've talked to a couple of players who've been in that waiting process and they're like, yeah, I've literally been in a hotel for two days. I can't leave. <laughs> like, do you yep. prep them for that process too? Because if it's their first or second workout, they're probably not used to that. They're used to the old workout. Yeah. yeah. So now we know, I mean, this is all, you know, new for everybody. So the first couple of guys we had go, it was, you know, we were figuring it out too. And so now we kind of know and we can prep them that, Hey, you're probably, gonna fly in on Thursday but you're probably not gonna work out until Monday which is you know a mental game then because they're just waiting and waiting and they're not able to be doing the things they would normally be doing and that's a lot of you know work to do and time to be away from your family if you have one to only have a small chance of actually getting signed and sticking there so it's it's definitely I think a, a mental challenge this year um, for the guys who are in that little workout zone right now. For you, how did you end up in this business? <laughs> you know, and, I mean, I, and so I had Dan Miller, who's like the voice of the Lions on the show yesterday. 
And I asked him the same question because people ask me that all the time. And I'm like, well. (laughs) None of us have, there's no same two answers for that question. Um, I mean, it was what I wanted to do coming. So when I was uh, 19 years old, um, I decided I wanted to do this in college. And then I realized I have to get an advanced degree. And so I went to law school. And during law school, I kind of was like, I don't know if that's what I want to do anymore. It's kind of just seems impossible. I have no idea where to even start. Everyone wants to do this, blah, blah, blah. Like most jobs in sports. Um, And so I had kind of written it off. And then my summer going into my 3L, my last year in law school, um, Steve and I connected um, and he had gotten my name from somebody that said that I think they mistake that I lived in Las Vegas, but really my dad just had a place here. Um, and whoever it was, I had obviously either known before I got to law school or I had mentioned it to you in law school because we think maybe he got my name when he spoke at my school, which I didn't go to that, in that event, but someone gave him my name. So we connected. Um, he hired me remotely, like I said. And then, you know, once it was one of those things that it kind of was too good to be true. And so I knew like, I need to really give this a chance and see if it's what I want to do because this opportunity will not come again. So I uprooted my life and moved to Vegas and I've been here ever since and so happy I did. I mean, I just got so, so, so lucky that the person that ended up with my name and connected with me and hired me and took a chance on me was Steve because he's just a phenomenal human I think the best agent in the game and just the the best mentor I could have ever had. So my longevity is a, like a lot due to him. Um, but my initial start, I had the interest like when I was younger and I pursued everything to get to this point with hopes of finally, like eventually getting here. But um, really like the reason I actually entered it was because Steve was looking to hire someone gave him my name and the rest is history. Do you know who the person is or is it like? No, it's a mystery. Like we see, like, I mean, I think he was probably so busy that he wrote my name down and then, you know, he, he got to the point with our agency. So he started our agency in 2008 by himself, completely by himself, walked away from a larger agency to do this and took no clients. So he had zero clients, um, started just from the bottom and built it into the point. So I was hired in 2015. So about seven years by himself. And then he finally was like, I can't do this alone anymore. I need to hire someone. And he wanted to hire someone with the intent to be a day-to-day person for the clients, but eventually become an agent. So the situation just worked out for both of us that that was a perfect scenario for me. That was what he needed. Um, But I think at some point he probably asked around to a few people Um, you know, do you know anyone in Vegas or anyone who would move to Vegas? And one of those, you know, avenues brought him my name. I think he set it down for a while and then finally was like, okay, I need to reach out to this person. And he actually found me on Twitter and reached out to me on Twitter. So I have Twitter to thank for my job. (laughs) And I can never (laughs) delete Twitter because of that. Yeah, it's it's a mystery. We'll never know. (laughs) That's wow. That. That's bizarre, but also probably how more people get jobs than, than we think, right? Like, Twitter is, I tell, you know, I'm sure you get this all the time too. People message you, how did you get started? Can you give me advice? What should I do? 
And I always tell them no two paths into sports, whether it's media or agent work or scouting, whatever it is, are the same. We all have just weird stories about how we got here. Um, and my biggest asset though, this whole time I've been in sports has been Twitter. I have such a great network. I mean, including people like you who I connect with on Twitter and then we get to, you know, actually see each other in Indy or in Mobile, whatever it is. Um, but for the most part, my connections are established first on Twitter and it can be used as such a great tool if you use it correctly. Um, and so I always tell young people who are trying to get into this business that really like get involved on Twitter, but the right way. <laughs> so like you said, you, you wanted to do this at 19, but then you're at law school and you're like, I, I don't know how this is going to happen. Did you start going down a different path? Like, did you start mm -hmm. looking into like corporate law or entertainment law or copyright? Like, what was that path that if Steve didn't get your name from an anonymous person, like, you know? Yeah, I was, so when I got the tweet, I was driving to my internship for the summer, which was a nonprofit um, legal institute for strictly for veterans. And so before that, I had been at the public defender's office. So I kind of started steering my educational path towards a career in public interest. And mostly, I th thought I wanted to become a public defender. Um, I just had, I had a pretty good experience at the PD um, in my internship, and I really wanted to help people. And I just liked the lifestyle better. It, you know, you're, you're more nine to five there um, than you are in a big law situation. I, I had, I just had no desire to go into big law, corporate law, anything like that. Um, so yeah, I was actually driving there and got Steve's note and connected with him a couple weeks later on the phone, driving home from there. And I remember going like in the next day to my internship and I was like, my whole career path just changed. <laughs> I was like, I cannot even believe this, but I just got, you know, hired by a sports agency I have no idea where it's going to go, but I'm going to do this. And that's that. And like, I didn't even have to look for work after law school because of that. Like I, you know, talked to Steve and he basically said, if this works out, you know, I want to hire you full time. And I want to know you have the intent to move to Vegas if that happens. And I said, yeah. So my last year of law school, I got to not be stressed out about my job because, you know, Steve and I had built a good relationship and I knew that's what I was doing. So it was like literally in the blink of an eye, I went from, I'm going to be a public defender in Orange County to I'm moving to Vegas to be a sports agent. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. I had to hold back all of the laughter when you said that, you know, you wanted to kind of have more of a nine to five gig <laughs> because I mean, there's your, your job might be you at nine to like 5am. <laughs> so the irony of that too is that, tweet I think that Steve responded to when reaching out to me was a tweet I said that I could never have a nine to five. And what I meant by that is I could never sit in an office from nine to five, which I often do. But the bulk of my job and the part of my job that I am like in love with is being at games, being at the combine, which as you know, my days at the combine are typically 7am to 4am. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's all of us basically, you know? So it's, it is ironic and it's funny that like I say that, but our job is nine to five in the sense that like we're in the office for those hours, but when I go home, it doesn't shut off. And I don't get to say, sorry, Tyrell, uh, you can't call me. It is five. Oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so I, yeah, it is, it is funny, but I guess nine to five to me also more means like a quality of life when it comes to the legal world, you know, the public defenders, they, you know, their earliest court time is eight 30. I think the later one, you know, you're done by four. And I loved that the people that I was working under there had like a balance, whereas big law and stuff, you're expected to be there 12 hours a day. You're making great money, but you don't get to experience anything. So it was more, I should have said more the, the quality of life that a public defender has versus, um, you know, if I wanted to go be a criminal defense attorney or something. Yeah, no, the comb- combine life, like we were talking about, you know, kind of that good hard sleep. Yeah. When I get back from the combine, and it's been awful when they've now truncated it to make it closer to free agency. Mm-hmm. But when I used to get back from the combine, I would drive back from Indy to Michigan, and I would pull into my apartment, I would grab some sort of terrible for you fast food. Oh, always. It. Yeah, always it. and to. then I would basically put my phone on do not disturb and i probably would sleep for a good like 16 17 hours oh it's a beast and um every year you know i leave just exhausted but again so happy because i'm like what is my life that i'm you know at the combine and um doing what i love and all those things so it's the good kind of exhausted but it is like every year i leave i'm like how do i get this tired every year but then I look forward to it so much. Like I'm already like sad about the idea that if it does happen, it's probably going to be different. Um, which I mean, if they can stop all of us NFL people from still congregating at prime. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, so I have a very like hate relationship with the combine. Yeah. I like it because I get to see people, but I hate yeah. almost every other aspect of it. Yeah. It's, it's our little, you know, I tell everyone it's the NFL's convention basically where you'll never see everybody all in one place between front office coaches, media agents, um, all the people that make the NFL world turn. We're all there. And it really is like just so cool. Cause so many of us communicate so often on social media and text and it's rare, you know, we even see each other at a game. You know, sometimes you catch people at Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Senior Bowl, but the combine's really where you know where everyone is at all times, um, which is the fun of it. You know, it's it's very predictable. It's the same thing every year, but it never gets old. Do <laughs> you remember your first combine? Oh, yeah. My first combine was, um, I think I've been to four now. Um, my first one was 17, so 17, 18, 19, 20, yeah. So I, again, wasn't certified. I was basically there just to like be on Steve's hip and get the whole experience. And that was the year we had um, Jordan Willis and Brian Allen were our two combine guys that year. And Jordan Willis, I don't know if you remember him, but he was a D end out of Kansas State. Big 12 defensive player of the year. Absolutely destroyed the senior bowl. Um, I think he was like the MVP of the South team, whatever team he was on. He was just killed. He was killing it but still didn't get like the notoriety he should have been getting um, because he was a big 12 guy and he went to Kansas state. So we go to the combine and he had actually been training with a a trainer that we don't always work with. He wanted to stay in that area. So he didn't go to our normal trainer. So we didn't know totally like what his numbers were going to be. We, we knew he was athletic, but then he goes and just destroys it. Like it was insane. He had a freak, freaky combine. I mean, finished first or second in almost everything. 
And it was just this like euphoria. And then Brian went the next day and just also killed it. We knew he was going to kill it though, because he worked with our typical trainer and our trainer that we usually work with is very accurate about what he knows guys are going to do. So we knew Brian was going to kill it, but Jordan was like very like that, you know, we're on edge and then it just kept being good news. And for the combine, you know, be, that being my first experience, you know, Steve and our trainer were like, don't get used to this. <laughs> Cause I left just like, this was the coolest thing ever. Like I'm so happy for Jordan and I'm so happy for Brian. And I got to, you know, that was the first time I was really rubbing elbows with like Bruce Arians and Sean Payton and, you know, people I've been watching on TV for years. So it was like one of those moments of just, this is so cool, but I was like, so just green and young and naive. I didn't like, everything was still so big and flashy to me. And then it was a great combine performance wise. So it kind of like made me not uh, like it, it wasn't a disproportionate idea of what the combine is, but it was kind of the best it could possibly be. And it was very cold. I do remember that. Um, oh yeah. All combines are very cold. <laughs> but that one, actually the last day I was there was about 60 degrees. And I remember because it had been so cold and 60 is cold for me. I'm from the West coast. And I remember it was so, it felt so warm. I was like, this is why people from the Midwest wear no sleeves when it's 60. <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah. it was, it was a good way to start my combine experiences, but you know, every year now there's ups and downs and it's, it's a beast. I tell, tell people every year, the things these players go through at the combine, nobody gets how grueling it is. The whole draft process is just brutal and designed to tear them down. The combine in particular is like a microcosm of that. And these players, just the things that they endure that week, it's you just are happy when they get through it and they're healthy and they feel like they did a good job and they can walk away feeling like you know they improved their draft position um but it's it's a beast for everybody but especially the players and I that first experience was a little um tilted <laughs> not all days are good at the combine <laughs> no absolutely not uh you mentioned you mentioned at 19 this is when you realized you wanted to do this what was it at 19 that told you, yep, I totally want to work in sports. And not only that, I want to become an agent because working in sports, I think a lot of people want to do, but agent life is not always something that attracts people to right. working in sports. Um, you know, I honestly always, I've always been the sports girl. Like I, I was at, you know, in high school, I go to football games and I was the girl who actually watched the games and wasn't there to get drunk. Like I would go and like be sober and in the stands cheering for the team. Um, I just, I grew up every Friday. I went to um, the high school football games that I went, the high school I went to Saturdays, my family and I would drive out to UCLA games. I grew up in Arizona. So it's about a six hour drive. My family has been driving out to the UCLA home games my entire life. So my whole life has been on the weekends in the fall, we drive to the Rose Bowl. Um, and we sell season tickets to this day. And then Sundays were we drive home and we listen to, or we watch the Cardinals game. So my whole life was football and not in the sense that, oh, I had brothers that played. I don't have brothers or my dad played or something. I just fell in love with not just the sport, but all the stuff that comes with it, the tailgating and being around my family and just how important every single game is and just the atmosphere like college football is truly like my first love <laughs> um and so I just fell in love with football 
and being a woman, there's limited things you can do. You know, most people say, oh, you, you should be, a, told me I should be like a sports journalist or sports broadcaster. And it didn't interest me that much. Um, obviously, I wasn't going to go into coaching or scouting. So it kind of narrowed down what I could do in this world. And when I was 19, I was in New York on a family trip and my dad's corporate attorney for his company came and met us for dinner. And she was just this like really like beautiful and strong and awesome, just powerful woman. Like she's this corporate attorney for this huge company. And I just admired her a lot. And I told her, I was like, I've always had an interest in going to law school, but I also want to work in football. I don't really know, like, should I try to be a general counsel for a team? Like, what should I try to do? She's like, well, a lot of agents are lawyers. And I was like, oh, I'm like, that actually intrigues me. And then I, from there, dove deeper into like what an agent really does and then dove into how to become one for the NFL. And that's when I, like the next week I bought my LSAT books um, to start studying for law school because I knew I had to have an advanced degree after getting to the NFLPA website. And it just, from there was, that's what I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm a very like focused person. Like once I like zoom in on a dream, I'm very much like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and so once it was like clicked for me with her that night, it just, I, I, I took off from there. Do you think back to the 19 year old version of yourself and say like, what would that person say like to where you are now? What less than 10 years later? Yeah. 10. Exactly. Now I'm 29. Um, yeah. I, Try to think about that often because this business, sometimes it feels like a slow crawl because it really is hard to find success. But just even the idea that I can call myself an agent is impressive to me. I think there's only 30 or 41 women certified by the NFLPA right now, which is just such a small number. And then on top of that, to be able to say, you know, I have an active client on the Packers. I had a draft pick this year in the fourth round and I did all that before I was 29 years old. Um, I try to always think about that version of myself because it makes me just keep it in perspective that, you know, I am progressing no matter what pace and that the 19 year old version of me would think I'm so cool that I even work for an agency, let alone get to call myself an agent. And I have clients who sign with me and believe in me. And I think I do a good job. So like, I'm not just doing it, I'm doing it well and doing it my way too. You know, I didn't really change myself to fit or sell my soul. <laughs> I have, I've done it and I've been able to do it for a great agency, you know, and I think, yeah, 19 year old me would be like, all right, that's worth everything you go through up until this point is worth it. <laughs> was signing with, was signing Joshua Kelly kind of a special thing for you too because like you said you grew up driving mm -hmm. an abnormal number of hours to go to UCLA yeah. games every weekend it was like honestly it's um it was divine intervention in my opinion like it just all felt so right and so perfectly like falling together you know I've been told no a lot to this point I was certified in 2017 but my first full you know year was 2018 you know recruiting and then so this last year I had been recruiting for about two years when um Josh signed with me a little over two and I remember when so I don't know if you know Josh's story but you know he transferred from UC Davis walked on to UCLA earned a scholarship no one knew who he was and so as UCLA fans you know, this 2018 season's going along and this kid's name keeps popping up and he keeps having really good games. And my mom's just like, 
man, that Joshua Kelly kid, he's just so impressive. I'm just so happy for him. And my mom is the biggest Bruin in the world. So I don't get to go to as many games now because of work, but um, I finally caught a game and my family and I are driving home or back to our hotel in Pasadena. And my mom is again, super Bruin. So she pulls up the little post game interviews on her phone and I see Joshua talking and he just has like the biggest smile. He just exudes gratitude and humility and all these traits that I just admire. And I looked at my parents like in that moment and I said, I'm signing him. I, I, I didn't know how good he was going to be. I didn't know what the rest of his year would look like. And then he went on and set the record in the UCLA USC game for most yards by running back in that game. Um, and then, you know, he comes back to, I had heard he might leave. And I was like, no, I haven't even gotten in touch with him. He can't leave. And then I heard he was coming back and I just immediately went to work getting in touch with him. And, you know, from our very first meeting, we just clicked and he just like really um, respected me and our energies really vibe. We're both very positive people. We both like put God first. Everything just kind of flowed for us. Um, and it was still very hard to sign him. I mean, like I said, it took about eight months and I was walking into, and of course, then I watched him all 2019 and my family knows I'm recruiting him. So we're cheering for him even more because we know if he does well, that improves his draft stock. We still didn't know if he was going to sign with me, though. So I go to their last game, hoping like he would want to sign with me after. I was there with my family, though, and not, not necessarily for him, but I still was hopeful. And, you know, I leave the next morning, still haven't really, like, heard from him. Three more weeks pass, and we, we're still in touch, but he hasn't told me. And it was, like, perfect because my sister was getting married on December 30th, and December 29th, I'm like, listen, he's supposed to move in, you know, to his training facility in two days. I got to know if he's signing with me. So I sent him a text and I knew my sister's wedding was the next day and I wouldn't really be available. So I just said, I'm just going to straight up ask him. So I sent him a text. He called, he says he's signing with me. And I literally like, as we pulled up to where my sister's um, rehearsal dinner was at, I get the text from him. And so I was meeting my parents and like, I walk in and I was just like, guess what? <laughs> and they said, what? And I, I just told them and they just like, were like almost in tears because they were just so happy. And it really just like all of those things falling together and him being my first draft pick and being a UCLA player and going back to that's where I fell in love with football. And it just, I, I can't even explain like how special the whole thing ended up being and, and being with my family when he told me like, I, it made sense why it was delayed. I was like, this, this was meant to be because my family and I all live apart. So it ended up being just the perfect scenario all around. Did that get announced at your sister's wedding at any point? Being like, oh, yeah, by the way, Molly signed this. Molly signed a client, by the way. <laughs> so no, it was. So my sister is kind of unconventional. So they actually, it wasn't a rehearsal dinner. Okay. We did uh, welcome drinks at a speakeasy. So we're down in this like dungeon of a bar and my whole family is there and yeah my I, my mom and my stepdad and my dad were telling everybody and everybody was super happy for me they're like wanting to buy me drinks and stuff and of my sister yeah she was super happy so it kind of got announced at that but it was it was not talked about at the actual wedding itself <laughs> but it made, it made the wedding more enjoyable for me because i was on cloud nine <laughs> the, but well actually let me get two more questions for you the first would be so when it comes to like your parents, when it comes to friends, 
because I know I deal with this. Like I'll get questions of like, Hey, can you get me tickets? Or Hey, like, are you oh, yeah. player X or Hey, this or Hey, that like, do your parents and your friends get your job or are they just like, Hey, why don't you go sign Patrick Mahomes? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for, I guess the broad answer is no. Uh, I don't think anyone really understands our job outside of people who do it. And that's not to say like, you know, media members and stuff, you guys don't get it more than others, but a lot like the recruiting process in particular is very unique. And I wouldn't have understood it had I not gone through it myself. Um, and so when I'm getting cut by a guy or I sign a guy, it's hard to express to people either the heartbreak or the joy because you know, every year you sign even one guy is a victory in this business. And if you sign a draft pick, I mean, that's even, you know, with 900 certified agents and only 200 something draft picks, if you sign one draft pick, like you're of an elite, you know, little part of the um, industry. So like, again, the broad answer is no, like my dad lives down the street from me. And, you know, we talk every day, almost all day, and we see each other so much that I, he sits in my living room, and I sit in his living room. And I tell him, you know, all about my job. And so he probably gets it more than anyone because he's spent the time with me where I've gone into detail. He's heard some phone calls and stuff. So, you know, he actually like hangs out with uh, Steve and I on draft day. We go to top golf just to like ease our nerves. And so he's been around for all those moments of, you know, he was, it was so cool. Um, the virtual draft being virtual actually was really special because my dad came over on, I think, night two and was here when uh, Logan Wilson got drafted. And he got to, like, usually I'm in the office. So he got to see that and got to see what that's really like. So he probably gets it more than anyone. But for the most part, no. And I've accepted that. And I just kind of like, I, I share enough, but I don't, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to expect anyone to understand like what I'm going through. <laughs> <laughs> Do I? I totally get that. Like I, my dad has kind of given up yeah. <laughs> and this is that, I mean, I'm 39. So this is after 18 years yeah. we're taking the business. Like, yeah. And it, I, it makes like the relationships in the business very important. Like yeah. I'm like very close with um, Nicole Lynn and obviously I have Steve and then I talk to Kelly masters frequently. So I have agents in the business. Um, who I've actually like people think we aren't friends. Like I have genuine friendships with them to where I can, you know, have someone who gets it. Like they're the people who understand what I'm going to go through this weekend, you know, cause they're going through it too. And no matter who you are, you know, Nicole's had a lot of success, but she's also had guys cut. She might have a guy cut this weekend, you know? So no matter who it is, like they've been through the heartbreak of recruiting, the heartbreak of cut weekend but the joys of draft weekend too, like the, my fellow agent friends were probably like, you know, the most excited for me because they know what that, you know, initial feeling is like. Yeah. I think journalism is the same way. Like I look back, especially kind of when I was, God, this sounds terrible when I was your age, uh, <laughs> but no, like in my mid to late twenties, I was covering Notre Dame and my, some of my closest friends to this day were the people that I was competing with on that beat we compete like hell yeah the hell out of each other every day and then we would go out to corby's or linebacker or wherever it was in south bend that night and be like all right work's done let's hang yeah. out and and, and I, I love those people like you know i always joke if i ever get married like that might be half of my wedding party 
you know? No, yeah, and it's funny because, you know, it's so cutthroat and people think we're so competitive and we are, like, I want to win. I want to sign guys. But at the end of the day, like, me and Nicole have never gone up against each other and we might never go up against each other. And if we do, I would rather lose to her than someone who isn't supportive, you know, like uh, someone who I know is a good person and a good agent. Um, and like, at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to be successful in a business that's very tough. And in this moments when we're competing, we're going to compete. But in the moments we're not, we need each other's support because it really is like a small, small, small world. And you know, you don't want to burn bridges. You never know when you're going to be teamed up with someone who maybe you were against. So it really is important to have those relationships that not just because, you know, you see each other at the combine, but for those moments where you're like, I'm tired and this is weighing down on me. And they're really the only people that truly get it. So the last question I'd want to ask, because I think maybe some people who listen to this podcast might want to get into this business. What would be your advice for somebody who is sitting there maybe as an undergrad in college or a 1L who's decided to go to law school, but mistakenly went to law school without having a plan, which I've been told is a terrible life decision. Um, What would be your advice to people who want to do this? I would say, I always tell people first, start with your why. Like, why do you want to get into this? Because liking sports is just not enough. Uh, We all like sports, you know, and, and I'm sure a lot of writers get into this business because they like sports, but there has to be something more like something that will separate you from everybody likes sports. And if you don't have something beyond that, that pushes you, this business will wear you down and chew you up and spit you out because you're going to have a lot of long days like the combine, uh, like cut weekend where you just look around at your friends and you're like, why didn't I just do a job that I go and I leave and I don't have to, you know, do anything for after. And I, I don't have to have my phone on me at all times. You need something that pushes you in those like really hard moments. And it's, it can't be, I like sports that won't push you because you can like sports and just be a fan. Um, it has to be something bigger. You know, I am in this business because I wanted to give these guys the option of my style of representation, you know, and I know who I am as a person and agent. And I know that I genuinely care for these guys and I have their best interests. And that's what keeps me going that, you know, I'm here to give them that, that spot in this business that maybe is not as big as it should be. Um, and the other thing is, um, with sports in general, keep an open mind. Um, you might think you want to be a broadcaster and then you have an internship or you do it at your school for a little bit and you realize I hate this life. You know, I, I did a PR internship early on in college. I thought I wanted to go into PR it was the worst thing in my life. (laughs) I hated it so much. And I'm like, I hate this. And I, I was almost like, why do I hate this? And I'm like, it's just cause I hate it. And that's totally fine. I thought I wanted to do it. And then I did it and I hated it. So I was able to cross that off my list. And that's just as important as figuring out what you do want to do. And so keeping an open mind, like maybe your first job in sports is you, you know, work at the stadium at school or, you do something that's totally unrelated to the, you know, section of sports that you want to be in, but it's going to create connections that are going to, you know, all the connections in sports overlap. I, I can say that with certainty. And if you do well in one spot, 
the likelihood of you crossing over into the industry you actually want to be in is increased a lot. So just keep an open mind and don't be so dead set on becoming an agent that you miss out an opportunity to maybe, I don't know, be a grad assistant, you know, and you work in the scouting department at the school or you work in events where you throw all the alumni events for, you know, the football team, whatever it is. Um, keep an open mind. If, if a door opens, it's usually for a reason. And if you're having to, you know, shove your way through another door and it's just not opening, follow the door that is open and at least give it a try. Um, and you'll realize there's a lot of things that will happen that you never expected and you ended up loving. It's interesting you say that because I feel like the things you mentioned, right? Like events, scouting, for an agent specifically, those might be very valuable. Yeah. And you, you, yeah, you can obtain qualities and traits that are just, I always say that like use undergrad and law school as a buffet, try everything a little bit, because the more things you have in your tool belt as an agent, the better you're going to be for your client. So yeah, me studying a, a wide variety of things in law school and not just totally focusing on sports law makes me a better agent because now I can consult on things that maybe aren't just football related or sports law related. You know, I, I heavily focus on intellectual property law in law school. So now when I'm doing, you know, Julie and Zachert's marketing deals, I'm able to look at these contracts from a lens of like, okay, I need to protect your rights. And I know what should be protected because I took intellectual property classes. Um, and I took an entertainment law class where those contracts have completely helped me with the endorsement contracts that I do. So be open to everything because, you know, when it comes to being an agent, you're kind of have to be a jack of all trades. And so when you keep yourself open, not only do you give yourself the possibility of finding a different career you might like, but you're just creating, you're making yourself more valuable. Um, that's so yeah, that's a very good point. Like we do so much that almost everything you do can help you. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully people learned something from this conversation. I know I did. Yeah, I really appreciate you. Thanks for having me. So that's it. That is the show. Hopefully you took something from Molly's journey. If you're an aspiring sports agent, if you're an aspiring writer or broadcaster, I think there's a lot you can take from it. You can follow Molly on Twitter at Molly Mac. It's three L's in the Molly. So it's M-O-L-L-L-Y Mac, M-A-C-K. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. On Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Obviously keep it in those places and also at ESPN.com for all of news from Cuts Weekend as the Lions have to trim down to 53 or 54 guys by 4 o'clock Eastern on Saturday, and we'll be back again on Sunday with a special post-cuts version of the show, and we will chat with you then. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action anywhere at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props 
BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.